Amen, amen. Oh, it is a privilege and an honor to be on this stage this morning, to be able to preach God's Word. I thank the father of the house, my husband, he is busy ministering in Durban. They're having an amazing time. Praise the Lord for the works you are doing in Durban. We have got an amazing family there, Empowered Church. Thank you, Father God. And God is ministering in Cape Town and in Australia. We have our location. God is doing amazing things, amen. God is doing amazing things, amen. Do you believe that God wants to do amazing things in your life? Do you believe that that starts right now? Because the Word of God says that faith is, faith is, again, faith is, it is now, amen. Amen. Worship team, thank you. Be blessed, that was awesome. It is good to praise God. It is good to worship Him. I just want to read you some interesting facts about gold and silver. You know, we, Lord, the, we, we know the Word says that all the gold and silver belongs to the Lord, amen? Do you know why it belongs to God? Because He created it. And it was in His goodness, in His love, that He bestowed it upon the earth for us to use. And then to give glory back to Him because we've just given our tithes and our offerings. For those of you who haven't had a chance to give your first fruits, you can still do so. I know you've just had an opportunity and there will be an opportunity tonight. You have got the chance to just love God. Amen. It is a sacred store of value. It protects wealth. It transcends time and it is everlasting. Take, leave it to God to create something that transcends time that is of value, amen? And then who did He give it to? To us, He bestowed it upon the earth. So that is why when the Word says in Psalms that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, we cannot not give back to God and praise Him and worship Him, amen? It is our privilege, it is our honor, and we need to do so with joy and thanksgiving because God has given us so much. He wants us to love Him and honor Him with His money because God wants to be first. And we've just gone through a season in this church. We've been teaching you what it means to put God first. Who's enjoyed doing that? I've had an amazing time just going back to God saying, Lord, You first, You first, You first. And it was quite a shocking re revelation to realize how quickly He slips from first place sometimes, eh? <laughs> You know, we had such a privilege to spend time with Apostle Neville and Pastor Raji. They are such a blessing to this house. Let's just give them, let's just honor them in this house. They are such blessed people, such a privilege to spend time with them. And Pastor Raji, the one morning just said, Genesis starts off with, in the beginning, God. That simple sentence, in the beginning, God. And she said to me, make sure God is in all of your beginnings. So I wanna encourage you, church, in the beginning of your morning, is, there, is God there? In the beginning of your next decision, is God there? Is the, in the beginning of your next business venture, your next trip, your next plans, did you put God in that beginning? Did you go to Him first? I wanna encourage you, remember that sentence, in the beginning, God and let God have that first place in your life. You see, God, amen, thank you. God wants to bestow upon you His supernatural favor.
In the same way that He bestowed the gold and the silver upon the earth, He wants to bestow favour upon your life. There is nothing in God that wants to withhold favour from you. That's a lie. And there's something you must understand, there's something even more precious than, than gold and silver, and that is your faith. Can you agree with me this morning? You have something within you that is more precious than all the gold and the silver on this planet, and that is faith. Because you cannot buy your healing with gold and silver, but you can faith for it. And you cannot buy your destiny, but you can have faith for it. If you are a people of faith this morning, I want you to respond this morning. Will you be a people of faith that believes God for the promises that He has over your life? Will you be a people of faith that will stand on the truth that is God's Word and will say, I'm not looking at what the world says. I look to the Word of God. And if I know God has blessed me with gold and silver, I will put my faith in who? I will put my faith in? Let me hear you. I will put my faith in? Yes, in God. He is the King of kings, the Lord of all. He is the ruler of the heavens and the earth. How can we not trust Him? And with that, I wanna teach you this morning, the Lord has said something beautiful to me about supernatural favour. You see, He took me back to 1 Kings 17 and He took me back to the life of a man we've all heard of, Elijah. And He revealed some things to me. Now, first of all, Elijah was a Tishbite. Now, if you look at the meaning of that, it means a dweller, not outlandish or temporary, or a temporary intimate lodger, but essentially a resident alien. And so the Lord said to me, we are of this world, we are in this world, but not of this world. Amen. We're Christians. We're different. We might be in this world, but we are not of this world because we carry a heavenly DNA. We are kingdom citizens. We submit to God's Word and God's government. Yes, we respect the rules and governments of the country. Amen. Please don't try and do anything crazy. But we submit to the kingdom of heaven in this world, not of this world. And Elijah shows us that it's not a new concept. He was a man that walked with God in this world, but not of this world. And he carried the same power and authority that you and I carry today through a relationship with Jesus Christ and the Lord of all and the King of Kings, amen? Now Elijah was specifically sent to show Israel the wickedness of their ways with one goal, that they would be a people that turn their heart back to God. And I can say this morning that we are a people who have been turning our hearts back to God because we love God and we have honoured God and we will continue to honour God because that is who we are. Amen. Oh, it's fun to preach and teach with and talk to you guys this morning. Amen. And then simply, Elijah means Yahweh is my God. Amen. So Elijah goes on a journey. God sends him to the Kerith Ravine. So we know that there was a famine and he gets sent to the Kerith Ravine. So he gets sent to a place and inside this Kerith Ravine, the name Kerith means to be cut off. Now who of you have ever been in a place in life where you have felt cut off? 
But in that cut off place, there is supernatural favor upon Elijah and God provides the water. God sends forth the ravens to bring him food. God supernaturally provides. He bestows favor upon Elijah in the Kerith ravine. So even though he is in a place where he feels cut off, he seems to be, the truth is, God has supernaturally taken care of him and there is favor upon his life. Then we see he goes to a place called Zarephath. Now in Zarephath, this is an incredible thing. He goes to the next place, he meets a widow. She has a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. But there's something special about the meaning of Zarephath. It means a place of refinement, a smelting place, purification, fire, purity. You go through times in your life where you are in a refining process and you can feel the heat and you wonder what is happening. But in that space, even the smallest measure of what you have can be multiplied to become more than enough. Even the smallest measure of what you think you have or might not have, God can use. And the woman had faith and Elijah had faith. And even though they were facing a difficult time, God said, I am refining you. I am purifying you. I'm gonna keep going until I can see my reflection in you. And I am going to meet you in that place. And I'm gonna take you on a journey. Who has ever felt like they've been in a space like that in their lives? Now, can I ask you a question? Can you give God glory in the place of being cut off? And can you give God glory in the place of the refining fire? Can we give God the glory? Because even though it might seem that we are going through a tough time, there is glory and there is supernatural favour that carries us through and that takes the little and makes it more than enough. And we know from these Scriptures, if I read to you, Psalm 66 verse 10 to 12 says, You have tested us, O God. You have purified us like silver. Proverbs 17 verse 3 says, Fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. Do you think that that widow had a heart test to get through? Absolutely. Do you think Elijah had a couple? Absolutely. But they came out with faith and we know the rest of the story. Will you come out with faith in the midst of the fire? And will you come out purified, praising God, because you will see the manifestation of God's provision and His favour and His splendour in your life. But you need to have faith. As we read in 1 Peter 1 verse 7, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Listen to this. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Let me say that again. Your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honour on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. There's gonna be a day where Jesus is going to appear and He's gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've had faith, I'm so proud of you, well done. And He's gonna speak, He's gonna praise you because He knows that you've stood firm in faith. Remember Jesus looks on the earth and He says, will I find faith? I can speak for this house. Empowered Church is a house of faith. We are a people of faith. 
We believe you, Lord. We will praise you, Lord. We will turn our hearts to you, Lord, because it is your word on which we base our lives. Then Elijah's journey continues and he goes to a place called Mount Carmel. Meanings of this is vineyard or orchard, holy mountain, beauty and fertility, symbolisms of a circumcised lamb, a harvest full of ears of corn. People turn their hearts back to God at Mount Carmel. This is what happens at Mount Carmel. At the end of the whole thing, after they've built the, after they've built the, aunts, the, the, the altars, they've placed the bulls on the altars, all the false prophets of Baal have called on their God. He hasn't answered. Elijah has just soaked his offering with water. He's got a trench around it. It's full of water. And he says, Lord, and he goes to God. And in a moment, fire descends from heaven and the entire, entire offering is consumed. And in that moment, in 1 Kings 18 verse 39 it says and when all the people saw it they fell face down on the ground and cried out the Lord he is God yes the Lord is God and that is exactly where we've been as a people we have taken the first month of this year and turned our hearts to God we're focusing God we could all say the Lord he is God yes the Lord he is God and in Scripture, if you look at Isaiah 35 verse 2, God Himself compares the redemption of humanity to the beauty and the fertility and the harvest of Mount Carmel. You see, you might go through difficult places. You have just, if, you, if you go through a place of being cut off, then God leads you to a place of purification. But then He takes you to a place of fruitfulness. He takes you a place of harvest. He takes you to a place of abundance. And He takes you to a high place where we can praise God and worship Him. And another thing happens on this mountain is that there is a deadly force that happens. The 850 false prophets of Baal are killed. And in the same way, we need to have a stance in our lives that we will not stand for the wicknesses and the enemy and the things that He wants in our lives. We've got to be ruthless with the kingdom of darkness. We cannot stand for things. We've got to take a stand against the wicknesses. We've got to take a stand against those things. We have got to say that enough is enough. I will not tolerate sin in my life. I will not tolerate sin in my household. I will not tolerate anything that pulls me away from God being first in my life. So yes, they slaughter those false prophets, but we have to have that same attitude against things in our own lives that pull us away from God's presence. So again, did God start first in your day? Yes. Enjoy the movie later with popcorn and your family. But don't just do the movie and the popcorn with your family and forget the God first. You see, there are little things, subtle things that come and steal our time away from God. See, because we know that in Ephesians 6 at verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So there's a certain stand, church, that we need to take. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to cower. We don't need to be scared because we are hidden under the shadow of God's wings. We can make a stand for truth. We can make a stand for righteousness. We can make a stand for purity because we are God's set apart people. We are chosen by Him. Amen. I wanna encourage you this morning. Number eight is the number of new beginnings. 
There was a new beginning on the mountain of Carmel that day. Five is the number of God's grace and the goodness of God. His people were set free that day. And 50 represents the number, is the number that represents the coming of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that incredible? There was a manifestation of fire from heaven that day. At Pentecost, there were tongues of fire that came down on the disciples. In the, New, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the Holy, Holy Spirit is represented by that fire. It came down and devoured the, the offering. Holy Spirit was on that mountain and the people of God were set free. And also 50 represents Jesus as the first fruit. Now Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection. What happens to the resurrection? There are people that get saved. We can be saved. We can have salvation in our lives. And it all looks back right there, Mount Carmel. God Himself takes that example. And He says the redemption of mankind is as beautiful as Mount Carmel. And in that very thing, there's a whole representation of the Holy Spirit and Jesus when the people of Israel turn back to God. So I can tell you something, church, when we as a people turn back to God, there is a manifestation of Jesus and of the Holy Spirit, amen? That's a good place to praise the Lord this morning. Who wants a manifestation of the Holy Spirit and of Jesus in their lives? Because that is when things change. Because there was a whole nation that was set free from a demonic influence and stronghold. Isn't that a word that we could take for South Africa? Who's trusting that God, that this country that is South Africa will be set free from the demonic hole that it has its grip? Because we are God's people. So let us continue church to put God first. Next we read, Elijah prays seven times. We know that seven means divine perfection. So seven times he prays and the rain comes down. But then something very normal happens. Elijah gets scared. He was just at a high place, surrounded by a whole harvest, people turning their lives back to God, the enemy being taken out. And what happens? He gets scared. And so he keeps following. What does he do? He runs to a place called Beersheba, which means the well of seven. This was the dwelling place of Abraham and of Isaac. So, so off he goes, Elijah goes, and he is in a place of seven wells, a representation of the Word, a representation of God again. It's kind of, he goes back to identity. We know Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. God is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But in this instance, He's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Elijah. So when you find yourself, when you're afraid, go back to the Word of God, go back to this place of living water and find yourself in the God of Abraham, Isaac and Shannon, the God of Abraham, Isaac and each and every one of you. If you're interceding for your children, say their names, amen. And out of this place of Beersheba, he goes to a wilderness, he's still scared. Now a wilderness is a place of intense experiences, stark need. How many times when you know you're in a wilderness place, you have a stark need of God? Not just the things you need, but you need Him in that place. This is also a place where God provides supernaturally. 
When the Israelites were in the wilderness, God gave them the quails, He gave them manna, He gave them water, He took care of His people. So God provides in the wilderness. There is supernatural favour in the wilderness. It is also a place of divine deliverance and encounters with God. So yes, the wilderness might not be comfortable, but who wants a place of deliverance and encounters with God? Because I know that I need deliverance still and I need encounters with God because not one of us are perfect and we need to hear Him. We need to take His hand. We need to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and a beautiful thing. Wilderness also means to speak. So if you ever find yourself in that place, know this, there is a God in heaven who loves you so much. He wants to speak. And you are literally in that place of where God will speak to you. So even in that wilderness place, there is favour. God wants to speak to you. That's a good place to say amen. So here we find a man called Elijah. He is in this world, but not of this world. And first he's led to a place where he seems to be cut off, yet God provides for him supernaturally and there's favour upon his life. Then he goes to a place called refinement and purification. But God takes the little that is there and supernaturally multiplies it. He bestows His favour upon them and He purifies and He cleanses and He works on them. And this is all synonymous. This is all an example or a metaphor of our relationship with the Holy Spirit and how we get led. Then He gets taken to Mount Carmel. He gets taken to a place of beauty, a place of more than enough, a place of harvest. And God draws a stripe. God fights the foes. He defeats the enemy in their lives. And there is a harvest of people coming back to God. And in that place, there is a new beginning. And there is God's grace. There is God's provision. Plus there is a manifestation of Jesus and of the Holy Spirit. And from there, He is but just a man. He gets afraid and He runs to Beersheba. And He finds Himself back in the place of the God of Abraham, Isaac and Elijah. And from there, He is led to a wilderness. But the wilderness isn't a dry place. The wilderness is a place where He finds deliverance and encounters with God. But also more than that, God speaks to him and more forward and forward he goes. He finds himself at Mount Sinai and Mount Sinai is a very beautiful place. This is where Moses received the Ten Commandments. It is a place of divine revelation. So through this whole journey, Elijah finds himself at the place of divine revelation. But where does he find himself? in a hole. Have you ever been in a hole? I've been in a hole plenty times. But there's a beautiful thing about a hole is that God doesn't leave you in the hole. When you pray and you ask the Holy Spirit to help you, Holy Spirit comes with you into that hole. He comes alongside you. He takes hold of you and He says, let's work together to get you out of this hole. Because Elijah literally went and hid in the cave. And then there are some revelations. Remember, he's on the mountain of divine revelation. What happens? Wind appears. The Ruach, the Spirit, breath and wind of God. Although can be elusive and intangible. Who of you have ever had that experience? You feel that it's a bit elusive and intangible, the things. Am I right? But God wants to make it real to you. So in this example, God wasn't in the wind. 
Then there was an earthquake. And if we think of an earthquake, it's destruction and poverty, death and famine. God's not in those things. We can never say that God is in death and destruction and famine. That's not who He is. But there was a great noise. God wasn't in that, in this example. That was followed by light, that was followed by flame. But then came still. The sound of a thin, th- uh, sorry, the sound of thin silence, our conscience. We read this in 1 Kings 19 verse 12. It says, And after the earthquake there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire there was the sound of a gentle whisper. The sound of a gentle whisper. We must realize something. God does not always speak in dramatic revelations and great manifestations. A lot of the time He speaks with a gentle whisper. And when you are in the midst of your everyday and it seems loud and it seems noisy or it seems difficult, you must listen for that gentle whisper. Because God is speaking to you. Take those moments and just listen for the gentle whisper that is God because He speaks to your heart. He speaks to your conscience. You need to listen. Listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And yet you must understand, you cannot put God in a box because there are plenty of examples. In Job 38 verse one, God speaks in the whirlwind. In Exodus 19 verse 18, He spoke in an earthquake. In 1 Samuel 2 verse 20, God is said to have a voice like thunders. In Psalm 77 verse 18, it's compared to a voice like both thunder and whirlwind. So God is described with lightning and thunder from the throne of heaven in Revelations 4. God does not conform to how we think He should be. He is God Almighty. He is the King of Kings and He cares about each and every one of you. And He is busy working all things to your good because He loves you. So Elijah had a revelation of God and he goes on to show a life led by the Spirit of God. So where does he go back to? He goes back through the wilderness. He goes back through a lifestyle of deliverance and encounters with God and hearing God speak. And then he hits to the road of Damascus. And it is in Damascus, listen to this, Damascus symbolizes salvation, the beginning of the full pattern of salvation. It describes synchronicity. Listen to the meaning of this word. Synchronicity means events that appear connected yet seem to have no discernible caused connection. And this spoke to me about the mystery that it is to be a Christian. What we must look like to the world. Because I think when they look at our lives, they're like, it looks like it should be connected, but I'm not quite, how is it possible? Because you can come from nothing and be taken to everything. God can prosper just your potential and bring in a harvest. You don't need to be anything else but who you are because you are not a small life that is being lived on this planet. You carry power, you carry authority, you carry the kingship and the lordship of Jesus Christ. You are a kingdom kid. You are not just anybody. And the smallest thing that you do can create a harvest for people. 
You are here to win souls for God. You are here to preach and proclaim the kingdom of heaven that is here right now. Whether you're shopping, whether you're working, whether you're praying for your children, there is nothing small about your life when it is in God and you become a mystery because it doesn't have to make sense. The supernatural favor of God in your life doesn't have to make sense because we bring our tithes, we bring our offerings, we bring our first fruits. I can promise you there are people who think we're crazy, but we know something. We honor the true living God because He is first in our lives and we are expecting every good thing that He is about to bestow upon us because we know in the Word of God it all belongs to Him. Amen. So, Philippians 2 verse 12 to 13 says, Dear friends, as you've always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. You see, the more you work out your salvation in fear and trembling with God, the more He gives you the desire to do what He knows is good, what pleases Him. You see, we are saved in an instant, but we spend the rest of our lives walking the road of salvation. The same years Elijah walks through the Damascus road, that is the road that is synonymous with salvation. So we walk through our salvation hand in hand with the Holy Spirit and we come to Him and we listen to Him and what happens God gives us the desires God gives us the desires and we see amazing things happen you see there are many but God moments in our lives Matthew 19 verse 26 says but with God all things are possible you see you might find yourself in a place where you say oh no I'm feeling very cut off but God bestows upon you supernatural favour. He will get you through that season. Then you find yourself, what if you're now in a place of refining fire? But God will take what you have and multiply and provide for you in that season, giving you His supernatural favour. Then you find yourself on a Mount Carmel. There's a harvest, there's joy, and the enemy is defeated in your life. You praise God and you worship Him. Did you praise Him and worship Him there too? Did you praise Him in the time when you felt desperate and alone? Did you praise Him in the time that you didn't know you would make it? Now you made it and you're on the mountain, you praise Him, you worship Him. You see those manifestations, but then we're people, oh no, I'm back to fear. God says, follow me to the place where I can deliver you, I can encounter you and I can speak to you. Then God takes you out of that place and He says, but don't forget about Bathsheba where I clothe you with your identity and I say that I am the God of Abraham, Isaac and Shannon. Amen. And then He speaks to you, He encounters you, takes you to a place of divine revelation and then He keeps taking you. This is all about what? Being Spirit-led. But this is what we need to desire. We need to be Spirit-led people. We need to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. This is in Romans 8 verse 14. It says, those that are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So you see this journey and it is at Damascus in that salvation that we hear about the remnant of the 7,000. Now who in this church have answered the call saying, I will be a remnant? I will be a remnant in God's hands. Now listen to some things about a remnant. That number 
is telling us about something that is enclosed and joined. It is something that has the, that has the ability to produce new individuals of the same kind, abundant in fruit, to break out or break forth, a harvest or producing of a crop. Listen to a word that is spoken over the remnant and think about this time. We will have the ability to produce new individuals of the same kind. We're talking about salvations. We're talking about people coming back to God. We say we will be abundant in fruit. God is going to provide supernaturally. He's going to take care of His people. We will have a breakout or break forth. Who knows that the Word of God is breaking forth on this planet. You cannot hold it back. You cannot restrain it. The Word of God will never return void. It will accomplish all that it has set out to do. And then listen, it will have a harvest producing a crop. Jesus Himself says the fields are white, there's a harvest, but the workers are few. That is us. It is spread out. It is wide, widespread. I wanna encourage you this morning, church. Take hands with God. Receive the supernatural favour and see that favour in your days. Who of you in this moment can think back on the week you've just had and remember a time that you experienced God's favour upon your life? If that's you, stick up your hand. Is there anyone, oh, there's many, that you can pinpoint a moment where there was God's favour in the last seven days? Amen. Let's give God the glory. And you might find that this is a journey that kind of repeats. <laughs> eh? It kind of repeats. We go to these places often, but God meets us in them. So look at the life of Elijah. He was a man in this world, but not of this world. He went to a place. There are times that we are cut off, but God provides for us. There are times that we go through the fire, but God purifies us and He takes whatever we have and He sustains us. Then He leads us to Mount Carmel, a place where there's abundance and He destroys the enemy in our lives. Then the Holy Spirit meets us there and He turns us back to Himself and we come back to worship. You see, and then if we are afraid, if we go through a wilderness experience, He speaks to us and He leads us back to our identity. Then He leads us back to a place of revelation and He guides us through our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we live a process of salvation, living sacrifices and living testimonies. We live lives of supernatural favour because God provides in the great and in the small. We need to take a moment to recognise those supernatural encounters because there's so much more that God wants to bless you with. You see, nothing in our lives can ever go to waste. There is not an experience in your life that can go to waste. Faith is now. It is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that we cannot see. That faith is now. So if you are a person this morning, if you are a child of God this morning and you wanna answer the call of faith and I wanna pray for you and I wanna supernaturally release God's favour upon you, will you stand with me this morning? And you know what it's all about, it's coming back to worship.
Please stand. I want to pray for you. I want to read you one last scripture. This is from Isaiah. Isaiah, let me just get to my actual scripture. It's Isaiah 10 verse 20 onwards. I just want to highlight a portion of the scripture. In that day, the remnant left in Israel, the survivors in the house of Jacob, will no longer depend on allies. Listen to this. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. But they will faithfully trust the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. A remnant will return to the mighty God. That is us this morning. Let us be the people that will faithfully trust the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, who will return to the Lord God Almighty. Because God, this is now Isaiah 12 verse two. God sees you. He has come to save you. Let us trust in Him and not be afraid. For the Lord is our strength and our song. He has given me the victory. He's given you the victory. Let's praise God this morning because He has given you a victory over the place of being cut off. He's given you a victory over the place of refining fire. He's given you a victory on the place of abundance and where the enemy is defeated in your life. He gives you victory in the wilderness, victory in the place that is out there. And He gives you victory in the mountain of Sinai where you have a place of revelation. He gives you victory in your, your road of salvation. God has given you the victory. And if you agree with that this, this, that this morning, let's praise the Lord. Let's say Amen. Let's give Him the glory. Let's give Him the worship. Let's give Him the praise. Thank You, Father God, that You give us Your supernatural favour. Lord, I release it over Your people this morning. Thank You, Father God, for each and every member of this Empower Church family. I thank You, Lord, for all the members across the planet, Father. We have got members and beautiful people, beautiful family in different countries, Father, in locations that are meeting today. I thank You, Lord, that Your abundance is upon them. I thank You, Lord, that Your abundance is upon us. I thank You, Lord, that Your supernatural favour is released now over Your people. In Jesus' Name.